Hi, and welcome back to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know you're busy, and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may likely be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We've recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Jill Farmer, who's a classmate of mine from Martha Beck Coaching Institute from way, way, way back, long time ago. She's also the author of There's Not Enough Time and Other Lies We Tell Ourselves, a time management bestseller. Jill's expertise has been featured everywhere from the Washington Post to Inc. Magazine. That is awesome. (laughs) Jill travels the U.S. delivering keynotes and teaching her acclaimed programs at top corporations and organizations. She was an Emmy award-winning TV journalist who's now a master certified time and stress management coach. Woo, rock on. Very cool. (laughs) I I think maybe Chris Marie's eyes sort of went big when she read the Emmy. Maybe we haven't seen your bio. I guess we probably should have known that. (laughs) Well, I know even when we were in coaching school, Jill, your journalism background and you know, you were helping us in a lot of different ways. So welcome. Yes. We're glad (laughs) to have you. My friends, it is so good to be with you. Conversations with the two of you are always among my favorite things. So I'm really glad to be able to to chat with you today. It's always fun to learn from you and learn with you. So I'm excited to be here. Excellent. And what a great topic. I mean, this is Susan. And honestly, you know, I'm I'm not your classic person that's in your book. You know, I'm not like some partially because I don't ever, I don't put that much pressure on myself. <laughs> she really. <doesn't>. And, <laughs> however, you know, I really, I really appreciated that notion of it shows up in different ways, I think, for people that I could, you know, for me, it's more the way that I can procrastinate about something. And I pretend that that's not actually putting pressure on me, but I believe, you know, I forgot what you call freestyling, freestyling. And I love that concept of freestyling because I thought, oh, I do do that. And then it's true. I never end up doing have such a grand list because I get another idea that takes me off. So (laughs) I did find myself in your book. (laughs) (laughs) And Jill, maybe it would be helpful for our listeners just to talk about kind of the basic tenets of your framework, because we were we were both reading, you know, busily again, because we've had your book before this interview. So what would you say to our listeners about time management and your view of it? Well, you know, first of all, it's funny that I I do this all about time management because I really don't know that you can manage time, right? Time is kind of fixed unless we can get into the chronos versus Kairos time and you know that's a whole nother conversation. But so we have this, you know, managing our time is a little bit of a delusion. It's really about prioritizing how we choose to use our time and energy, right? That's where some of the stress management stuff comes in. And so forever for me, my story was, I just always believed that I, I needed to figure out how to manipulate the external circumstances in my life. And then I was finally going to have enough time to be or do whatever it is that I couldn't quite get to. It was always this carrot out in front of me that I was chasing. And so it was in my own kind of process of of personal development and self-discovery, as you said, through coach training process that 
for the first time, I encountered the notion that there's not enough time is not necessarily the gospel truth. (laughs) It is actually a thought. (laughs) And boy, I mean, I wrestled around with that a lot. It was like, wait, what do you mean? It's a thought. It's the truth. But it's a statement of opinion, right? About the fact that there is 24 hours in a day and what we decide to do with them. We actually have a lot more agency than a lot of times our conditioning would have us believe. And so that idea of understanding that when I could think about time differently, specifically by not using that thought, which unbeknownst to me was launching this reaction of tension and pressure. And actually it was a fight or flight response, right? In my brain, which we know kind of shuts down our cognitive ability and our ability to solve problems and create meaningful solutions from them by trying to constantly pressurize myself into action. I was actually creating situations where I was making a lot more mistakes had harder time relating to people because I was irritated all the time because I didn't have time to deal with everybody else's crap. And so it was, it kind of just started with like, hmm, what if that thought is not really the best way for me to make decisions and launch action? And, you know, I'm not one of those people that thinks that, you know, I, I love tenets of neuro-linguistic processing and cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and so I think that can be good. I'm not one of those people that's just like, okay, just change your thoughts and everything changes and don't have any emotions and just everything, you know, is better. But I do think it is interesting to pay attention to some of the default mechanisms in our heads, like there's not enough time. That's how I get stuff done that don't necessarily work best for us long-term in a way that helps us to kind of show up at our best. And so that's the really foundational piece If nobody takes anything else away from a lot of the work that I do in my book or in with groups. It's to begin to recognize that fight or flight, fear, tension, stress, even though culturally that's what we've been told since the time we were little. Remember those, I don't think they do it anymore. Remember those timed multiplication tests we had to take in school? My gosh, I remember just being like, my brain just shut down because I was like, "Ah." and so we've been conditioned often from a very early age to think that faster is better, which actually often ironically makes us slower. Because when we're in that state of tension, we actually do tend to make more errors. Again, we lose cognitive functions. New research says, and this this came out after I'd written the book, but we lose up to 13 points, IQ points when we're in fight or flight mode. Yeah. We talk about that in conflict because the same thing happens in conflict, that, Mm -hmm. that drop of IQ. Yeah. And also, I mean, I I really do get the idea. I mean, there's so many ways, whether it's time, I do realize where I had the learning about time was with my cancer. When they said, you only have three months to live or six months to live. And it was three months. And I saw Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and she was the one who said, you were given a time element and now you're focused on dying. And that's the mistake. You need to focus on living. You know, and I had never, you know, she said, because I could die tomorrow, but I never thought of that as a time issue. But I can see now the time piece did sort of get me back to, oh, get out of the time element, you know. So, you know, that pressure, same thing that's happening in the Olympics, the pressure on those people to get gold. Yeah. You know, Jill, you brought up a, a couple of things. One, I just want to anchor so people don't miss it. Like, and your story in the book is quite powerful. Like, okay, I'll have enough time when I go to college and then college becomes, oh my gosh, I mean, I have less time or when I get my first journalism job. And then when I get yeah. my, all those, and then you're like, okay, fine. I'll have enough time when I quit working. And you were like, that's that, you know, moment of breakthrough. Like, no, I still don't like 
I'm doing this to myself. Mm-hmm. I am creating my own misery. So I think that's a really important important because I'll be happy when I'll have enough time when, and it's like, no, right now, I really like how you bring that back into the present mm-hmm. and this fight or flight piece. It's so true. I make mistakes. I feel so tense. I'm, you know, cranky with people. And I, I think people have a hard time believing I am doing this to myself. The mm-hmm. thoughts that I'm thinking are creating my fear response. And yes, it, it was learned probably as little people when, you know, we had our own rhythm and mom and dad were like, come on, you, or you gotta, I had an army colonel dad, you gotta hurry up, gotta do things fast. And it's like, oh, okay. yeah. and thinking that's a good way to be. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you know yeah, it's, it's kind of fascinating and how to turn it around and at least take ownership Recognize one, you can't control time. I love that when you were saying you, I loved even that you gave some sort of explanation of how you might be a chronos or this, <laughs> but the reality of it is no, you know, and control is such a big, you know, what we think is so important to get control. And it's like, wow, the very opposite might be that's really not the game. Well, you know, that even goes into 12 step programs. Cause one of the things you do in a 12 step program is you turn it over to a higher power, you know, the, like, Oh no, I can control everything. That's what we believe. And, and when, how much it brings down the fight or flight, when you turn something over and you relax, then things can happen in a magical way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I talk about it in the book, speaking of higher power, the reference I use is, are we have these to-do lists and some things we actually need to put on God's list, right? Or on the spirits list or on the universe's list yeah. um, because, and we just forget that. And one of the exercises that I'll often have my, you know, client, corporate clients do, or I work a lot with physicians, as you guys know, trying to help them with burnout and time and stress management issues, I'll have people take just a piece of paper and draw a circle in the middle of it. And people can do it along with us right now. And inside the circle, you write down the things that are creating activated stress for you that you have some control over, right? You don't have to have total control over it, but you have to have a little bit of agency, a little bit of ability to influence the outcome. And then outside the circle are the things that are worrying you and frustrating you that you actually don't have any control over, no agency over, no ability to influence the outcome. And when I have people do that exercise, pretty much a hundred percent of the time, people are like, wow, I am spending a lot of time and energy. It's like having a hole in your energy bucket that's just draining on things that are actually out of my control. And I'm not asking people to be fatalistic, like who could, you know, cause that's apathetic. That's a whole different time draining um, emotional state that we can be in. But when we get a little clearer about, yeah, I'm wasting a lot of time and energy wailing and gnashing my teeth at the universe about things that ultimately really I can't control. So I'm much better served, more productive, more efficient, more calm, more positive, Life feels more meaningful when I can redirect my attention and energy toward things that I actually do have the ability to influence. How is that for you guys? Oh, it so makes so much sense. I mean, I think where it hits me is I often am worried about what people think or how they're mm-hmm. feeling and do they like what I'm doing? All of that is really outside of my control, but it's such a habit. I grew up with that habit, you know, trying to please and so that is, once I really kind of let that sink in, I have no control whether you have a good podcast right now or our <laughs> listeners are enjoying this, whatever it is. And then I can come back to me and it is kind of a relief. I was thinking the thing that struck me when I was, we were doing it while you were suggesting the circle. the circle, but the big one on my outside list was COVID, you know, because right now that is like, 
there is so much a thing that I cannot control. And, you know, I mean, I think we keep trying to get control over there by saying we're not going to vaccinate, we are going to vaccinate, we're not going to wear all these things that we can do, like wearing a mask or getting a have control over that. But COVID itself is outside. And we spend so much time and we were talking about that beforehand right now. That's such a big thing that, you know, that's really not in. And there are things that are in our hands, like whether we wear a mask or whether we vaccinate those things. But aside, you know. We'll talk about that, Jill, because you were talking about it before we got on. Yeah, I think that the thing that it just kind of hit me at some point when I was working with some of my corporate group clients and in talking to physicians, that there was just a lot of angst and frustration about COVID. And we spent a lot of time talking about it, particularly about what we wish other other people's behavior (laughs) would be more responsible. That was a lot of of the focus. And I I have my own strong feelings about that. Still, I wish people would be more responsible. It doesn't mean we, again, we're not just like, oh, whatever is all okay. We can still have feelings about, you know, and, and desires and want to influence people to, you know, believe in science and such. But the thing that what what we have to recognize is that COVID in general, the disruptions from COVID, the trips that we had to cancel, the groups we couldn't have, the format that we had to change the way that we, many of us made a living. I mean, pretty much across the board, whether it was not going to the office, staying home, cycles of either business went way up or way down. There didn't seem to be much middle for a lot of people. And so all of that is kind of like an app that's running in the background of your phone. And when we have an app running in the background of our phone, sometimes it drains the battery a lot faster. And unfortunately, COVID was an app none of us could remove. Nieces and nephews say, come on, help me fix this. There was no removing it. And so I think when people would, when I would propose that idea as I was doing some, you know, training and coaching around this and say, let's be honest about our battery capacity right now knowing that this thing is draining it. We don't have to, you know, lament it. We don't have to give a lot of energy to being victims, you know, because if we're not actually sick, then let's focus on ways to to help ourselves and everybody else be better. And so that was an interesting, when I would share that with people like, yeah, I'm I have less energy than I'm used to. And then by the way, I'm spending a lot of energy being mad about the things that I can't control. And so to be honest, okay, I do have some diminished capacity with that and handling all the disruptions and educating my kids from home and suddenly trying to become a teacher, even though I have know nothing about teaching or all the things that people listening may have had to deal with that were huge disruptions. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? And then get really clear and focused on the priorities, which what does matter to me? Mm-hmm and spend less time focusing on the things that I have no control over that end up draining my battery even faster. So let's remove the apps we can (laughs) so that we don't cause a a faster battery drain. And working with people, it was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I I can think about this a little differently. That makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. And then I think you, you, I remember you addressing this in the book, like identifying what does help you reconnect to your own energy and give you resources. Like, you know, we were, we were in a training last week that was like early in the morning because it's on East Coast time and it was online, which is also another app running, you know, yeah, it's a different thing. And so it once there was, I was exhausted. We were each exhausted at the end of these things. And actually I was talking to Chris Marie about it and I realized what I should do if I, every hour or every 45 minutes, I took a dance break, like just you know, mm-hmm. turned off the picture because I could, and I could still hear, had those, you know, and dance. 
it, my energy was totally different. So it it's was. like, what, you know, discovering, I think you talked, what are the things that give you back the, mm-hmm. your highest and best good? It's going to be different for everyone. It's not like a, it's the same, but it, you know, certain things I think do work well. So I, I liked thinking about that as another way to handle that. I do too. And a lot of what's exhausting for us in general in life is when we're in an activated stress state, right? It's just constantly, we're not, we were not wired as animals in our bodies to be in activated stress state all the time. We were supposed to, you know, if you look at animals as our models, I know you guys have talked about this before, but the giraffe, when it hears a noise in the bush, in the wild, at the watering hole, it actually takes a couple steps closer to the bush to make sure if it's lion or wind. And if it is lion, it runs, but if it's not, it goes, Oh, it's just the wind. And and then goes back into a relaxed state. We as humans would go, there was a lion there. And six weeks later, we're still like wired and talking about the lion that was, Oh, that wasn't actually a lion. It was wind, but it made us think it was lion. And, you know, and I'm not, making fun of us. We all, you know, get, but we kind of have gotten so used to that activated stress state that we, we forget how draining that is. It's supposed to be short term. And so we have to do things to process our stress, interrupt the stress cycle, um, complete that stress cycle. And that really does, that's where the kind of stress management and time management marry each other. So you brought up a really good point earlier that when we are working, most people are not afraid of working hard, We don't love meaningless work. And so when we disconnect from why our work matters, so that happens a lot. You know, I've researched a lot around physicians. Physicians are not afraid to work hard, but when all their work feels like it has to do with electronic medical records and paperwork and being, you know, told they have to be kind of like robots and they get disconnected from why their work matters, we know that is a very big contributing factor to burnout. So if you're feeling burnout, you're feeling exhaustion, you're feeling uh, like your work product is dropping, you just don't have much verb, vigor, interest in things. A lot of times a powerful place to start is why does my work matter first? And then the second thing you listed is also another really great stress disruptor, which is moving our bodies. Our bodies metabolize stress and recalibrate themselves without our thinking so much more effectively a lot of times than just, you know, sitting at our desk a little longer, trying to give ourselves a pep talk, you know, processing stress hormones, or as you said, re-energizing yourself by just getting your heart rate going, getting some of those, the hormones that help sharpen our cognitive function. That's exactly what was happening when you were getting up and doing a dance break, or when I have a really stressful day at work and I want to just pour myself a martini and sit in front of the TV and zone out. I know that if I get on my bike or take a walk, get that heart rate up a little bit, that my body's going to do the job of metabolizing those stress hormones. And I'm going to have a lot easier time truly relaxing, regenerating and recouping so that I can go back the next day. Uh, Darn science. If it didn't, you know, I keep, why does it keep telling us we got to move our bodies? (laughs) I deal what you said earlier about, you know, recognizing we are animal, we are an animal, a species, a primal being. And so we have these things. We try to think, oh, my head can control everything. And no, we've got this body that's actually really impacting us. And so not just impacting us, it's actually one of our best resources. It is doing actually more than the brain and stuff is, but carry on. No, if we take care of it and use it versus staying behind our computer and doing more work. And I love what you're saying about the why. If I know my why, oh my gosh, I will run through brick walls just because Mm -hmm. it's, and I won't even be tired because it's so, it means so much to me. So I think really connecting and noticing 
if your work is meaningful, it really kind of gives you, I think you would give an example of somebody in the taking care of themselves. Trey, I think it is. I, I think that's a person. He writes down all the pieces and a lot was taking care of somebody else. But when he connected to, no, actually put some things in there that really feed you. And I know when I can go back to my dance class, that really so, or when I can act, I'm like, oh my gosh, in a play. I'm like, ah, electrified. I know our business is going to pick up when she's in a play because it's just like, she's just in her natural state of a, attractiveness. It's, yeah. you know, well, without enjoy. working at it. Yeah. It's better than marketing. It is a marketing <laughs> strategy, taking care of yourself. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. I think that's the like kind of following that where our body and and soul, if you would, takes us, you know, our brain's part of the partnership too. We don't have to totally cut it out, but it's oftentimes we just hand over the reins and what we're really handing over the reins to are unprocessed emotions often like fear of inadequacy, fear of not enoughness, not enough time, not enough money, not enough approval. And I think there's just so much crossover in this as it relates to conflict, as you guys, you know, are seeing with teams in, in work. It's like, it's so much more draining when you're under conflict because you're in fight or flight mode and it's just a, your brain is not working at its best, but we just have these defaults that we kind of slip into and we got to listen to our bodies to often yeah. be able to really make the shift. Yeah. I like that idea of unprocessed emotions. You know, of unprocessed emotions. And, and, you know, you're talking about like the two that I think get like right now, I think whether you like it or not, you probably got some grief going mm-hmm. just as a result of the last year and a half, which is one that most people don't deal with particularly well. Our society doesn't deal and, with that well. And then I also think it's kind of natural to be angry and angry gets such a bad rap. It gets tied to violence, which is not anger. Anger is just your raw energy, wood energy firing up that, you know, when your boundaries are crossed, like you have too many people in your house and you're trying to figure out how to do work and, you know, or whatever it is, it's natural to be angry. That's just a healthy energy. So if you have ways to give yourself permission to move that energy in a way that doesn't hurt you or someone else, that's that's actually invigorating, invigorating. You know, I'm, I'm surprised how many times I've heard someone say that to me, you know, I finally said what I really needed to say and I felt it in my body. And I was just so much, I was really able to listen to the impact I had for the first time because I, you know, I was, you're onto something huge there because I think, you know, and I didn't talk about this as much in the book because I've learned a lot more since even Mm. writing the book around understanding emotional agility and understanding how, you know, I just thought really had an association that emotional people were not in control. You know, there's my favorite thing again. And, you know, the best thing for me to do is just to always be in control. And I grew up in a household with some really emotional people, which would have been fine, but they didn't necessarily process their emotion healthily. They processed they at other people, <laughs> at each other. And so that was my association with emotions as being a negative thing as opposed to understanding that it's okay to say, Ooh, I'm having big feelings and then take the time to process them instead of having the big feeling, letting it take over and drive the bus and have it act out onto other people in ways that felt unsafe. And so when I'm doing, you know, a program with doctors at Harvard or an accounting firm in the Midwest somewhere, a lot of what I'm teaching them to do is when we talk about stress management is to process emotion, acknowledge it. I'm having this feeling, naming it is really important. Using your body to, as you said, move that energy and it can be dance. It can be expression. It can be good old exercise. It can also be taking a towel when nobody else is around and wringing it so hard or banging it against a wall. And you guys talk about this too. 
But it's amazing how that physical release of the emotion gives us the agility to have named it, felt it, let it inform us. What did it need to inform us? Do I need a bigger boundary? Do I need to sleep? (laughs) Do I need some space? Do I need all those things that it's trying to inform me of it? And then have the courageous conversation with whoever else I'm integrated with or cross, you know, my Venn diagrams are crossing so we can move forward. And boy, that was all new territory for me. I just wanted to think my way or (laughs) control my way or, you know, and just avoid my way from into everything being great and safe and figuring it all out. Yeah, it's been a powerful change. I love that. And that's even how I met Susan 30 years ago was at Haven, which was where I learned, oh, I'm not supposed to stuff all these feelings that I was trying to stuff and to feel them how much it's like the gals that wrote burnout, the book burnout, they're two twins. They talk about going through burnout and stress is often those unprocessed emotions. And you're staying in the middle of if feeling an emotion is like going through a tunnel you're staying in the middle of the tunnel versus if you actually let that just as you acknowledge it, move it in your body, what do I need to do differently? And then speak up that you get to the end of the tunnel and there's light at the end of it. There's that clarity in Mm -hmm. that, in those first two acknowledging and letting it move through your body. And that is, I love how you broke it down so succinctly. And it's, it definitely changed my life and helped me come home to me. Like my feelings actually matter. I was trying to make sure let me get them out of the way so I can focus on you and please you. And I think a lot of people do that. A lot of women do that. And I, you know, I was, there was one piece you said that I just, I want to go back to, cause you said, you know, you can grab that talent, do it by yourself, which is true. You can, and that will help. It's also incredibly powerful to sometimes grab that towel and have someone who will witness you and then do the same thing because then, then, cause I, what I hear, and I think you were saying about yourself and you probably judged yourself for all those emotions when you actually, you know, realize, actually, I find, I think people end up finding, they look at someone who does that and they're like, Oh my God, this is a courageous person. <laughs> actually, not only that, but they're usually pretty sexy. They look great. <laughs> There's an aliveness in them and a fullness in them. And as long as that volcano isn't coming at me, I get to witness a volcano, which is like, wow, that is, that can be beautiful if I have enough space between me and the volcano, <laughs> you know? But there's um, more, that creates more of the connection. Like I'm not alone. I'm not bad yeah. or broken. I am just human. Yeah. And that's a very, it can be a very intimate experience to witness somebody in their grief, in their rage, mm-hmm. those big emotions. You know, it's yeah. like giving a Kleenex or, you know, okay, just go in your room, have that temper tantrum, come back out. <laughs> and it's like, you know, yeah, I remember once my nephew, when he was like two or three years old, my sister had come to do a program up at Haven called Anger Boundaries and Safe, which was a program about learning how to be expressive. And Joanne Peterson, who ran the program at the time, came, I was taking care of my nephew because I was living there at the time. And she came down and she knelt down in front of little Clark and was, said, you know, do you know why your mother's here? And he looked at her and he goes, working on her anger. (laughs) It was like, I would, you know, and, but he was so happy, you know, he was like so alive. And the little kids process their emotions right through, you know? So anyway, I I just say that because it is share. These are okay things to share too, you know, Mm -hmm. in the process to invite that. Because the other piece you haven't mentioned yet, and I think it's very clear in your book, is the connection. The connection is so vital, even in the case of time. What brings you back to, I think it came up in the book, I can't remember, but I would say it's the third piece, the why, the movement, and the connect to yourself or to someone. You know, 
Can you talk a little bit about that? Is that ringing bells? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really a lot of times when we, I think it's a solution. Connection is the solution in a couple of different aspects. One is, as you talked about earlier, Chris Marie, in that great book, Burnout, they talk about completing the stress cycle because instead of just saying, well, here's all these things and your stress, stop being stressed. They give us these practical, tangible ways that we've talked about to process, you know, let your body metabolize it and move on, have courageous conversations. And then connection is one of the other ways they talk about processing stress, that it's being connected. And as that relates to time management, a lot of the obstacles that really get people feeling like so angry at time and the time shortage and beating themselves up for being terrible at time are things like procrastination. That's a huge one, you know, as well as distraction. And I think connecting to other people, one of my favorite things to do for leaders when they have somebody that are like, they just don't manage their time well. And we have this big project and they keep procrastinating is for them to sit down together and break down that project into ridiculously easy steps. Because we tend to do the opposite thing when we're feeling overwhelmed. It's like, oh, this is going to be so big. I've just got to commit six hours to it. And then we go, you know, file our recipes and and, and, and weed our garden for the first time in 10 years. And instead, when I can say to you, you know, Chris Marie, this feels really big for me. And you can sit down with me and say, hey, let's break this down into ridiculously easy steps. Steps that are so easy, you can't not do it, as Martha Beck used to say. She called them turtle steps, you know, and I did in the book. Now I just call them ridiculously easy steps because they're so, and you were like, and people say, what do you mean? I mean, like, turn on the computer. Let's start with that. (laughs) And, And so having somebody else to help us think as a trusted thinking partner when we're feeling overwhelmed and procrastinating something is a really important you know time tool when we're feeling distracted having people help us think about how we can set up containers of time that are that are non-contaminated that are short enough, you know, 50 minutes, five, zero is a really good amount of time to give yourself to be in flow and uninterruption. And that I think really can be helpful as well. So connection, prioritizing. Sometimes when we feel when we're in fight or flight mode, I always say it looks like we're in a nightmare game of dodgeball. We can't tell if somebody's throwing <laughs> bricks at us or like foam, what, what's happening here? Everything feels equally important. And, you know, I always, t- I tell the story in the book when I'm doing a program about the corporate executive who was like, called me. I said, I need an emergency call. I'm so stressed out. I've got my mom sick and in the hospital. I have decisions to make. I've got corporate merger things to deal with. I need to get a haircut. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know where you are. <laughs> I mean, you're in a different part of the country, so I can't see you, right? It was before we were doing Zooms, but I don't care how bad your haircuts, the fact that it looks today, the fact that you're thinking haircut makes it into the same priority level as the other two things tells me you're in fight or flight mode and you have not the ability to prioritize. So that's a really good time to connect to somebody else to help us reconfigure our priorities and move forward from there. I love that. I mean, two things I can just see, like right now I'm in this process of doing the final edits for this book. That's actually been in process for 30 years. It's a very personal book. It's a very personal book. You know, anyhow, it's a long story. Those easy ones where we're just super vulnerable and and totally showing ourselves to the world. Exactly. But what was funny was I, you know, I got the edits back that I'm supposed to look at and I, one, I couldn't, it was like, no, I can't, I can't open them. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm sure the guy, this person did not edit it. And she recognized I was in whatever fight or fight. It was like, just slow down. Send me the email with them. I will open your computer and open the file. But it really was like, oh, just take one of these. This is just 
you know, they just ask you to change the period, like change this, like say yes to this, you know, but it really was like super simple, you know, and well, when we get spin out, doesn't go there. But we get threatened. We really, it's like our CPU is jammed. And I so appreciate you saying, Jill, Hey, you're in fight or flight when you're talking to somebody, the fact and giving them the fact that a haircut is the same, the fact that they're just giving you edits and they were pretty easy edits. And then she was like, well, then they must not have read the book. Right. (laughs) I came up with another I'm like, obviously the classic damned, if you do and damned, if you don't situation you've set them up for. Right. So funny. So just as way of wrapping up, you have so many great tools. It's chock-a-block full of great, like practical tools with two to-do lists, but I love these contextual pieces that are so powerful. Any last words you want to leave for our listeners in helping them work through their own time issues? I think one of the biggest things is to begin the process of noticing when you are making decisions and taking action, are you waiting until you're stressed out about it to do that? Or can you give yourself permission to set aside five, I mean, five to 10 minutes a week? I just call it mapping out your week and people will come back to me and say, it's so simple, but how did, how come this works so well? And it's looking at who do I want to be? Who am I? And at the end of the week, what will feel really meaningful? What matters to me that I will have taken some action on? And then you got to actually do that simple thing of putting it on your calendar and creating daily to-do lists that are very short ridiculously easy steps. The big stuff has to get broken down into those digestible bites so that you can actually do them as opposed to dance around, exhaust yourself, avoiding it with all kinds of unnecessary energy going in that direction. So that's something that I would try to leave people with. Be soft with yourself and kind to yourself and also strong with yourself to say, yeah, I can set my timer for five minutes. Really look at my calendar and look at what I want to get done in my task list and make those two things work together. And it it feels good and it really helps energize us to feel like we're doing something that matters in the world. I love that, that we get like, take the, cause sometimes it can feel so overwhelming in the moment, but in a week, you know, versus a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know how many times on my to-do list, write the book was what was on the to-do list, which is like <laughs> ridiculous, you know, or like get in shape. No, you know, like, you know, it's like go outside for five minutes, you know, like <laughs> take a walk, different, you know, get on the Peloton. Yeah. Whatever it is, <laughs> put on my running shoes. You know, it doesn't even have to be hard. I love that. Yeah. You know? So thank you, Jill Farmer yeah. and listeners. I so encourage you to, to race out uh, or log on to Amazon and get there's not enough time and other lies we tell ourselves by Jill Farmer. It's a great resource and just a life resource. Yes. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a doctor listening, she also is part of doc working a podcast for doctors, which we had the privilege of being on. And I think if you're out there struggling as a physician, it's worth listening to. So, yes. And uh, I, I'm sure she's available for coaching for doctors as well. <laughs> yeah. And also on my website, I've, in addition to the book, there's an idea section where I've written a lot of just short articles and ideas on stress and success and kind of understanding how to better complete that stress cycle and understand that as it plays into our time management challenges as well. I love it. Thank you so much, Jill. Thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. We know you're busy and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. 
Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E.